Welcome to the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast is here to ignite kingdom purpose and equip you to reach your potential for a global harvest. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on social media, and share this podcast with your friends so they can be empowered. On today's episode, Val Hughes, an incredible educator and mentor who has a heart for the next generation's leaders, talks to us today about the lessons we can learn from Jonah and how we can reach our own Ninevehs, even if we've been running in the opposite direction. You don't want to go anywhere. So let's get into today's episode. Nation. Val Hughes here. Just want to give a shout out to our Next Gen team, our Next Gen podcast production team, Megan and Landon. They all are amazing people. Thank you for working so hard for the kingdom. I appreciate each one of you. To each one of you that are listening, thank you for coming along with us on this Next Gen journey. It's been a fun couple of years, and we're looking forward to more great, amazing things the rest of this year and next year, and God's just doing some, just some amazing things through NextGen. You know, our vision from NextGen, of NextGen, is to train an army using apostolic principles, and our mission is to ignite kingdom purpose. And that's why we exist. That's what we're trying to do here with these podcasts and with our live events. And today on the podcast, I just want to take a few minutes and talk about a familiar story. Today, I want to talk about Jonah in the Old Testament. But we're not going to do it Sunday school style like you've probably heard before. You know, Jonah, um, he was a preacher and he got swallowed by a big fish and the fish, you know, um, spit him out on the on the side of the the land there, and then he went to Nineveh. And we're going to talk about Jonah, and we're going to talk about Jonah's Nineveh. And I want to talk about Nineveh from the standpoint that every one of us has a Nineveh. So if you think about it, as everyone has a Nineveh. So, you know, the big question is, what was Nineveh? Why did Jonah run from Nineveh in the first place? So, first of all, just a little background on the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah was written probably post-exile, somewhere between the 8th to the 4th century B.C. And it was written during the reign of Jeroboam II. And Jonah himself was a Hebrew prophet. Um, the son of Amittai from the northern kingdom of Israel. Most of the prophets that we read about were from the southern kingdom, but he was from the northern kingdom. And Jonah had one job. He was sent by God to prophesy destruction of Nineveh, but he tried to escape that divine mission. And it's so funny because I read that quote from Wikipedia, that Jonah was sent by God to prophesy the destruction of Nineveh, but he tried to escape that divine mission. So even Wikipedia knows that everyone has a Nineveh. And then a little bit of historical background about Nineveh. 
It was the capital city of Assyria. And at that time, it was the largest city in the world. It was on the outskirts of what we would call modern-day Mosul, Iraq. It was the Assyrian capital, so it was a pagan, a Gentile city. Nineveh had huge walls, and inside of those walls were things that were really, really terrible and really evil. There were a lot of evil people that lived there, and they had a lot of unrepentant hearts. They had one motto, and that was never show mercy. And God had planned to destroy Nineveh in 40 days because the people there had such hard hearts. And so he called one of his men to go and proclaim that they needed to repent or else they were going to be destroyed. So you might say, well, you know, that's been a long time ago and probably Nineveh doesn't have anything to do with us today. But I think there's a concept here about Nineveh and what Nineveh means to us in 2021. You know, Jonah had been called by God to go to Nineveh. But the main problem of this story is Jonah didn't want to. He didn't want to go. <clears throat> when God called him, Jonah said, uh, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. And a lot of commentaries believe that Jonah feared. He was afraid that Nineveh would repent, just like God had said, and that God was going to show them mercy. And the Assyrians were really well known for their brutality and their wickedness to the groups that they conquered. And maybe the reason that Jonah was afraid for them to repent, maybe Jonah wanted them to pay for all their wickedness and not be on the receiving end of God's mercy and his grace. You know, really, Nineveh and the Assyrians were basically synonymous with words like violence, terror, torture, killing. Um, if you're grossed out by things, just gross alert coming up here for just a moment for me to talk about Nineveh. The king of Nineveh would normally bring home um, the recently conquered king, but he would bring it in the form of the king's head that had been cut off. He would raise that head on a pole in the middle of a royal banquet celebrating the victory and then put the head over the gate of Nineveh, like the city gate, and they would leave that head of that recently conquered king on the gate until it would slowly just rot away. And of course, that was intimidation. That was, you know, a message to anybody else. You know, if you mess with us, this could happen to you. They were well known for flaying people alive, slitting people's throats, dividing body in pieces, sending the pieces of the bodies all over the countryside. And I guess that Assyrian king felt like this war behavior was necessary to rid the country of their rebellion and to keep his legacy intact. I'm not sure why you would act that way. Um, but I can see that Jonah could have had a very healthy fear of this Assyrian king um, because the king would much rather slit Jonah's throat than to listen to his message, you know, repent or die. It's not the kind of king that you would want to go and say, um, sir, with all due respect, um, you need to repent because you're a sinner. <laughs> we all give Jonah a really hard time, but if the truth was known, we probably wouldn't be too inclined to make a visit to Nineveh either to tell all those wicked warriors, you know, y'all need to repent. Y'all have been doing some bad things. Y'all need to repent. Or God is going to destroy this city, Nineveh, in 40 days. 
Now, if you think about a modern day parallel of this message, if you'll just take a moment and think where Nineveh is located, um, what would you do if God asked you to go there and declare the country to repent or to die? Knowing that the consequences would be very dire if Jesus didn't show up, as we like to say here in North America. I mean, obviously, if God's called you to go and tell them to repent, he's going to protect you, right? We forget that. Um, makes me think of the Access Challenge Nations with Global Missions. And there are about 30 Access Challenge countries with about 7,000 unreached people groups. And any one of those countries would probably not be too far off from going to Nineveh. They would probably be very dangerous because Christianity is, you know, it's hostile. And the message of the cross is not well received. And so any missionaries that are called by God to go to these access challenge nations, they're basically Jonah going to Nineveh and saying, okay, I know you might slip my throat, but the Lord's told me to come and tell you to repent. Um, so Jesus commanded us to go out as lambs among wolves, you know, in Luke 10, three, but Again, if you think about Nineveh, it could today be an access challenge nation somewhere where we hope that God calls everyone else, but he, we hope that he doesn't call us to go, right? So once I started thinking about this, about Jonah, thinking, okay, I'm going to give the guy a little bit of a break because I think that we all have a Nineveh that we need to deal with in our own lives. Now let's go to the book of Jonah. Let's go to chapter one, verse one. God spoke to Jonah and told him, arise, go to Nineveh, cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me. In verse three, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And twice, right there it says that he went from the presence of the Lord. Now, I think that's really a key thing there about him leaving the presence of the Lord. God called to Jonah again, but the next time he called to him, Jonah was already inside of the belly of that great fish. Some commentaries, some preachers believe that Jonah actually died inside of that fish for three days. And God raised him up to be a type and shadow of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus talked about this in Matthew 12, verses 38 through 41. And Jesus spoke of himself being something, someone greater than Jonah was with them. But you know what? It didn't matter. The people that refused to repent, they were still unrepentant, even though Jesus was telling them there's someone better, not better, but greater than Jonah here. Now, Nineveh was in the opposite direction that Jonah rebelliously decided to head to. Tarshish was about as far as Jonah could get from the presence of the Lord. Um, if you think of Nineveh as being Iraq, Tarshish was most likely modern day Spain. And if you have a moment, you might just look at a map on your phone or find an old atlas somewhere. You know, Spain is quite a ways from Joppa, from Israel, because Tarshish was the farthest western point known to Jonah. And so when the call of God came to Jonah, 
he couldn't bring himself to see beyond his own selfish desire, maybe for God to punish the Assyrians. And so Jonah just did what a lot of people do when God calls them. They start running and they run to the farthest place they can get. Charles Swindoll says that the book of Jonah can be categorized this way. Chapter one is Jonah running from God. Chapter two is Jonah running to God. Chapter three is Jonah running with God. Chapter four is Jonah running against God. Pretty amazing because guess what? I think there's only four chapters of Jonah. And so Jonah didn't do too good. You know, there was only um, two chapters there that he was running to God and running with God. So he's 50-50, you know? When God calls us, he never forgets that call. So when he called Jonah, even though Jonah ran, God didn't say, okay, I'll substitute, you know, I'll pinch hit somebody, I'll call somebody else. No, he didn't do that. Because Romans eleven twenty nine 29 tells us the gifts and the call of God is irrevocable, that the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. And what someone needs to hear today is that if God has gifted you and if God has called you, <clears throat> God refuses to revoke those gifts and any call that he's made. He is not going to take it back. You can't run far enough. You can't do anything bad enough um, to make God forget that call. You, you could be listening to this podcast and be as far from God as you can get, but once God has called you, the call is always going to be there. So you might as well just get back on the boat, head back over to Nineveh and do what God's called you to do because God is never going to revoke the call or the gifts that he's given us. Many times God calls us to a certain purpose, maybe a certain area, but we fight God. All of us do this. <clears throat> None of us are exempt um, from, you know, every everyone does this. Our desires, our selfish desires usually pull us to our Tarshish, the most Western farthest point we can get to trying to escape the call and the cry to go to Nineveh, tell those people to repent. God's purpose was finally realized by Jonah, but it was only after he had a really heavy dose of humility on his arrogant and prideful heart because he refused to remain in the presence and the peace of God. And you see in the book of Jonah that he left the presence of the, of the Lord. And we always need to be about following the peace of God. And you know that the minute that Jonah turned and left instead of going to Nineveh and started moving west or whichever direction toward Spain, um, toward Tarshish, you know that he didn't have any peace. And so if you know that you're supposed to be doing something different than you're doing right now and you don't have any peace and you can't figure out why you don't have any peace, it's probably because you are running from the call of God. It's probably because you think God has given me these gifts and I don't like them. And so I'm just going to bury them and pretend like I don't have them. But guess what? God is never going to, he's never going to go away. Um, there's a poem called the hound of heaven. And that's what God is. He, he is just going to keep running after you until you finally give up and say, okay, I'm going to do this. Because when we align our desires with God's purpose in our life, it's always a process that we will continually go through. You know, a lot of times we think we can just go through the motions of following God and his kingdom and 
think that really and truly our hearts don't have to be really aligned to the purpose of God in our lives, you know, that we could just go through the motions of acting like that we're, you know, living right in his kingdom. But really, Jonah had to be broken before he could deliver the message to those evil Assyrians. Back in the spring of 2020, right probably a month into the shutdown from um, early part of COVID, I was at home watching Bishop Mark Morgan speak um, through Abounding Grace Ministries from San Francisco, and it was a message called, When God Messes With Your Stuff. I was recovering from COVID at the time, but I have a very distinct memory of watching the service through YouTube and the power of God that I felt. And I'm not going to try to re-preach his message here. One, I'm not a preacher, but just a few points. Saul identified as a farmer first. God made him a prophet. And finally, God made him the king of all Israel. Saul was a reluctant king. He wanted to go back to the farm. He never really wanted to be the king. Um, The principle here that Bishop Morgan talked about is about our comfort zone. And sometimes when God is calling us and God is moving on us, we know that we have to move from here to there. And I'm sure that Saul, you know, even said, I'm sure that Saul even said, let me go back to the farm. I am pretty sure you know, that I, that's where I, my comfort zone is. That's where I know what to do and what's up. And God said, Oh no, Saul, you are moving to a new normal. And we know that we're supposed to seek the kingdom of God first and say, not my will, but thy will be done. And when we just do it and we just go through the motions of that, God has a way of messing with our stuff. When God wants us to make the move from here to there, just like Jonah, he didn't want to make the move to Nineveh. He either wanted to stay where he was or run away to Tarshish. So let's talk about the Nineveh in our lives. Let's just get down to business here and talking about Nineveh. So what could be the Nineveh in all of our lives? Maybe it's undone training. Maybe it was Purpose Institute, college. Maybe getting a GED that you've been talking about for a long time. Maybe it was starting, finishing a master's, UGST, tech school, career tech, nursing, business school. Um, any kind of certificate training that you know that you were supposed to do, some kind of foreign language training. Um, I mean, anything. You could just put anything right there. Um, maybe a Nineveh in your life could be an ignored calling. Maybe you know that God has called you to do something specific and you just keep running in the opposite direction. Maybe a Nineveh is just a flat-out refusal to acknowledge the gifts that God has put in our lives due to shame and guilt. You know, shame will keep you prisoner from really doing what you're supposed to do for God. Shame is the master at keeping us inconsistent. Uh, Several months ago, I was honored to record a podcast with Jessica Tander up on her podcast called A Good Question. And if you are wondering more about shame, you could check that out. Uh, the podcast with Jessica Tander up a good question because shame will keep us from pursuing what God has called us to do. Shame will keep us running because we never think that we're good enough. We never think that 
we feel loved enough by God or by people. And we never think that we're quite good enough to do what God's called us to do. And so we just keep running and hoping that God will forget what he did. Um, you could also say another Nineveh in our lives is anger at God. Some people listening might be, you might just be angry at God because he didn't come through with you, come through for you for something. I was just listening to someone today talk about how someone is, is angry with God for, um, taking someone in their life that they thought that God should have healed. And, you know, they have a grudge against God that they are going to have to deal with at some point. Um, Another Nineveh might be insistence on doing things my way, not God's way. You know, like Jonah, he was filled with arrogance and pride. And Jonah thought that he could get by with doing everything his way. Um, But when we have Ninevehs in our lives, that's the problem. You know, Jonah thought he was Burger King. He could have it his way. And as Bishop Morgan said, God has a way of messing with our stuff. I want you to fill in the blank right here. In my life, I have also refused to go to Nineveh by, you can fill in the blank. My Nineveh could also be blank. You know, whatever your mind and heart and spirit put right there in those blanks is now between you and the Lord. And I just ask you to not continue to ignore that still, small, insistent voice of God Because over time, when we habitually continue to override God's small voice in our lives, we eventually become controlled by our own will, our own emotions, and our own thoughts, which is basically our soul taking over, and we are not controlled by God's Spirit. And I know that I want to live a Spirit-led life to be truly apostolic and so I have, I can't live by my will, my emotions, my thoughts. I, I want to be spirit led. I want God to lead me every day. And I'm sure you feel the same. You, you want to, um, you've got to give up doing things your own way and give up your Tarshish plans. That's hard to say Tarshish, um, plans and give up your own thinking, your own feelings. You know, when God paid that great price that he paid on Calvary, truly, we, because of the price he paid and because that he bought our redemption, we gave up those options. Mama Doe Shatwell always says, you can't choose how you're used. You can't choose how you're used. And that is, is ever so true. Jonah couldn't choose and we can't choose either. You know, Jonah tried to run. He tried to go to Tarshish. Um, Again, you know your Bible. If you don't, go back and read the book of Jonah. See how that went for him. God will allow you to die inside of a great fish to get your pride to die and your arrogance to turn to humility because God has a way of having his way. God will mess with our stuff for his purpose, his gifts, his call to us. And his call to us is his invitation to the kingdom. You know, when God calls us, he is inviting us to be partakers into his kingdom, to his banquet that's continually, the table is continually filled with food and to his presence and to his peace. And when we're doing what we're supposed to do in the kingdom, we're staying at his banquet table and we're in his presence and we are in his peace and we are just eating of the good food at the table and we're not running away like, 
you know, fugitives and slaves like Jonah was. And saying, I surrender all simply means going to your Nineveh and crying aloud and saying, okay, God, I'm here. I'm going to tell them to repent. Everyone has a Nineveh. And uh, several years ago, we were at Sight and Sound in Branson, and they were actually doing Jonah. And that was something that um, I heard there was that everyone has a Nineveh. Let God give you strength to go. And it just kept playing over and over and over in my spirit. And I thought I wrote that down in my notebook and I just kept thinking, wow, that is so true that everyone has a Nineveh and God just has to give us the strength to go to the Nineveh that God is calling us to go to. So here's some questions. What would happen if we truly prayed for God's kingdom to come in our lives while we stashed our phones somewhere, maybe in the next room, while we stayed connected with the king of the kingdom and we truly got down to business with prayer and we didn't just talk about it, but we actually did it. What would happen? What would it look like if we obeyed God in our lives without holding back or continually trying to get to Tarshish? What would that look like? What is God's still small voice saying to you these days? You know, not your friends, not social, not the voices of you should that you're hearing from your shame, but what is God's still small voice saying to you? And are you taking enough time to really hear God's voice? Because sometimes we're running so fast and we say, well, God's not really saying anything to me. Oh, yeah, I think God's talking to every one of us. And there's that still small voice there that we need to stop and pay attention to. Maybe there's something in the word that's similar to what you know God is speaking to you. If it is, study that out. Find it out. What is your Nineveh? We all have one. I have one. It's the call of God on us that we really don't want to do, and we'd rather do something different. I can look back on my life and see so many times that God has been calling me to walk a different way. And, you know, I've just turned my head as if I didn't hear him clearly, knowing all the time I was going the wrong way. And not so much to a life of immoral sinfulness, even though it was sin because I was opposing God's will for my life. And anytime that we're not doing what God's called us to do, you know, the New Testament tells us that if we know to do something and we don't do it to us, it is sin. So you might not be just clearly out and out backsliding, but, you know, if you aren't doing what God has called you to do, then that is still sin. What is your Tarshish that you've been trying to work on as a substitute? And what's the great fish in your life? Are you in the belly of the fish right now? I want to ask you another question. Where are you right now? Not your physical location. What's your GPS? So are you, are you in Joppa? Are you buying the ticket for the boat? Are you in the belly of the fish? Are you, I don't think Jonah ever made it to Tarshish. Um, You know, are you, are you in Nineveh yet? Where are you? And I just want you to think about that, maybe pray about that this week and just ask the Lord, you know, what's my GPS spiritually? Where am I? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing or am I running from the call and the giftings of God? I have to say for the past few years, God has been messing with my stuff and forcing me to go to my Nineveh. You know, if I had life my way, I would 
probably be teaching elementary school full-time someplace and loving teaching fifth graders to love to read because I love to teach kids to love to read or coaching elementary school teachers to help kids love to read because I love coaching teachers also. But God has been asking me to move on to my Nineveh, which is becoming a global educator with the UPCI Global Missions, writing curriculum for GATS and global Bible schools. Now, just like Saul was comfortable with the farm, I am much more comfortable with fifth graders, with books, with teachers, but I knew that I had to listen to God and go to Nineveh and cry aloud and say, okay, Lord, it's not my will. I don't really know what to do here. I'm not really comfortable out here. You know, when you live a life of a global educator now, you have to raise money. And I've never, you know, wanted to ask anybody for any money. Um, But God is saying to go and do this. So I have finally said, okay, Lord, we, you know, I'm going to do my part to do this. Everyone has a Nineveh. God is going to give you the strength to go and to cry aloud, and God is going to give you another chance. There's someone here on this podcast that needs to hear me say, God is going to give you another chance to get to your Nineveh. You might have, you might have run, you might have missed the chance several times, but it's going to come around again. <clears throat> God is going to give you another chance. So just arise and go when that chance comes. I love each of you so dearly. I'm covering you in prayer over this podcast, and I'd love for you to connect with me. Send me a DM on Instagram. My email is vlhcoffee at gmail.com. Our website is www.kingdomadvanceministry.com. I would love for you to give me feedback. Let me know how this episode has helped you to ignite your kingdom purpose, because we're all in this together. You are not alone. You are not the only one who is running from your Nineveh. We've all done it. So don't let shame talk you out of that today. Let me know how we can help you. We're asking you to share this episode on social, share it with your friends. Let's go to Nineveh, cry aloud, make the move from here to there. Come on, get on to your call today. Whatever God is calling you to do get to that call. God is waiting on you to make the first move and I'll see you there. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to the Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders podcast and social media so you stay up to date on our newest content. Until next time, we pray this episode ignites something within you.